You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 13th, 2018. My name is Phil Prostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Here to remind you that the first episode of the Locked On NBA Mock Draft is live today. Picks one through six. Yes, I make my pick for the Orlando Magic with the sixth overall pick on the Locked On NBA Mock Draft. Be sure to download that on iTunes. Also, David Locke did a great interview with Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated talking all about the draft as well. So download Locked On NBA on iTunes. Go through the archives. Listen to all the episodes. Uh, the Most of them should still be relevant. Uh, and uh, stay up to date with the Locked On NBA Mock Draft. It was a fun exercise. I'll go through my lessons uh, of what I learned uh, later on in the week or early next week. Um, it, it, definitely some lessons to be learned there as I tried to tried to maneuver around the, the NBA Draft a little bit. And of course, uh, I'll talk a little bit about my pick on tomorrow's episode and, wh- and go into a little bit more detail on why I picked who I picked, how the scenarios played out, and why uh, I was not... Completely happy with with how things played out, but you can only do so much. It is a draft after all. So we'll focus more on that and focus more on the draft on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. Today, though, I want to talk about some other issues pressing for the Magic or some more global issues pressing for the Magic. We're going to start with Aaron Gordon, his restricted free agency coming up. There's a new rumor that popped up or some new at least conversation that's popped up that, that I think is worth discussing a little bit. And then we'll talk a little bit more, little bit about kind of general draft strategy for the Orlando Magic and, and, what, and what direction they might head. But of course, the first place to start today is with Aaron Gordon, uh, a little bit of free agency news, not a ton. Aaron's out in California. Steve Clifford apparently visiting him uh, at least early on this week, if not over the weekend. Um, getting to getting to, to meet him face to face. Gordon typically trains in California, so no no big deal there. Um, but obviously, this summer is all about Aaron Gordon. Uh, I think every time I've talked about the off season, every time I've talked about what the Magic can do this off season, it begins it begins finishes and ends or starts or it, all of it has to do with Aaron Gordon. The reality is the Magic do not have much cap space if they want to resign Aaron Gordon. If they, if they want to keep Aaron Gordon under the qualifying offer or under contract, they do not have much cap space. His cap hold eats up almost all of their cap room that they have available. And, assumedly, his new contract will put them over the cap. That's just the reality of the situation for the Orlando Magic. They don't really have much of a say in the matter. Um, if they want to keep Aaron Gordon, that is really the only thing that they'll be able to do this summer. They have the mid-level exception, about $8.5 million dollars to use as well. Um, They can use that on multiple players, of course. But the big decision this summer is Aaron Gordon. And it's hard still to say what kind of contract he's going to get. I've been predicting in the $21 to $22 million per year range, probably four years, something like $90-something million. Uh, But uh, it could be more. This isn't a a summer where a lot of teams have cap room, which I think plays to the Magic's benefit. But then again, it only takes one team with a big offer to change everything, to give Gordon that max offer sheet. But at least the early indications are the Magic are willing to match just about any offer, that the Magic are not going to let him walk, and that their preference is for him to stay. This coming, this comes from Shams Tarania of Yahoo Sports, who went on uh, Chris Mannix's podcast on Yahoo 
and pretty much said the expectation around the league is that the Orlando Magic will match any offer on Aaron Gordon. Let me let me say the direct quote here um, from the from the Chris Mannix podcast on Yahoo at about the twenty seven minute mark. If you want to listen to the conversation more in context, um, Chams says, "quote I think both teams, speaking about the Chicago Bulls and the Orlando Magic, are where they need to go to max numbers for them." Speaking about Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. But the question is, will they make them go get a sheet? The sentiment I've gotten is if Zach Levine goes and gets a max, we have too much invested in him. Aaron Gordon, same with Aaron Gordon. End quote. This is essentially how uh, I think a lot of people expect restricted free agency to go. And, and really the question is, do these teams, and let's talk specifically about the Magic, do the Magic play things out like they did with Tobias Harris? Or do they play things out like like the Jazz did with Gordon Hayward. Remember when the Jazz got Gordon Hayward, or when Gordon Hayward hit restricted free agency, he signed a max offer sheet with the Charlotte Bobcats, and he was dead set on going to Charlotte. He wanted out of Utah at the time. The Jazz didn't really negotiate with him. They just simply matched the contract. And while Gordon Hayward developed into an all-star and had a fantastic run with the Jazz, a four-year run with the Jazz... When it came time for his free agency to come up again, it always kind of seemed like his heart wasn't in it with that team, and he was. He, there was always some lingering animosity about it. That are, those are the rules he played out his contract, but there was a, it felt like there was lingering animosity, and even though Utah ha- came off a fantastic season, he opted to go to the Boston Celtics. Not much you can do there. That's how it plays. I anticipate that this will play out just like Tobias Harris. The Magic and Aaron Gordon will probably come to some type of negotiation. Magic will come in a little bit low, say, go get an offer sheet, and we'll up the offer, and it'll be good faith and and, and good relationships. Um, Tobias Harris did get that max offer sheet. Brought it back to the Magic. Didn't sign it, but brought it back to the Magic. They upped the offer, got him taken care of. Tobias Harris is still under that contract with the LA Clippers. I suspect that that's kind of how things are going to play with the Magic. Maybe the Magic get a deal done beforehand so Gordon doesn't even take other offers. Uh, It really depends what Gordon wants. Again, I think Orlando is probably a little bit afraid that they'll have to pay too much for Aaron Gordon, but at 22 years old and with his growth curve and and the way he's played, maybe the Magic feel like, you know what, we can eat the bullet for a few years and when it's time to trade him, we'll trade him. That's kind of the, the, the beauty of the situation. The Magic do hold a lot of control here. And it does seem like the Magic are going to make that offer. Last week, Magic General Manager John Hammond was on the Mark Moses show in town. And Mark Moses, I've been on his show a few times, uh, said this, quote, I know you're the GM, but you've got to resign him. I want to see him in a Magic jersey. I want to see him grow in Orlando. I just have to point that out. And John Hammond's response was, quote, I appreciate that and I feel the same, end quote. There's always a little bit of posturing this time of year with restricted free agents. Everyone tries to make it clear we will match any offer, and it's just kind of a dare to other teams to try and bring him in. I don't anticipate Gordon's going to be a candidate to sign the qualifying offer. I think the Magic do want to wrap him up. I think they want to get him at a reasonable price. They don't want him at the max, um, and they're hoping that no other team swoops in at the max. I think the Magic want to get a contract taken care of before he can receive offer sheets, before he can sign offer sheets, and I think the Magic will keep Aaron Gordon past the season. I think they will get to a new deal. 
But there's always that bit of uncertainty. That's what free agency brings, a little bit of uncertainty. And Orlando's going to have to go through this process and make sure that they dot their T's, cross their I's, so to speak, cross their, cross their T's and dot their I's, uh, and you know make sure they take care of their guy if they believe he is their guy. As I've said about the draft, I'll say this about Aaron Gordon. If the Magic do not believe he is their guy, if they think Michael Porter Jr. is a better player and they want to draft him, or they do not think Aaron Gordon is part of their future, letting him walk is a perfectly acceptable decision. Maybe they don't get any assets for him, and maybe that is a little bit of a mistake, but this team needs to clear the decks anyway. They need to clear the decks of the things they don't want. If Aaron Gordon is one of those, I don't think he is, but if he is, letting him walk is not the end of the world. That's also the beauty of free agency. You get that extra cap space and that little bit of flexibility. But right now, it, it you know at least through the rumors, and, and I, I kind of have to apologize that, that this ended up on Hoops Hype. It, it's, it's a little bit old. It's a little bit dated. It's not something that, that I wanted attributed to me. I wanted attributed it to Shams and to, to, and to Mark uh, for doing, doing the work. I, I merely aggregated it. Um, but it does seem like the Magic do plan on keeping Aaron Gordon around a little bit longer. And I think most Magic fans would agree that is a good thing. Let's turn our attention now back to the draft. Um, obviously, it, it is a very diverse draft this year. Lots of interesting players. The Magic will be very, very active in this draft, picking with the sixth overall pick, and then again at 35 and 41. So a lot going on here for Orlando. They're going to have a busy, busy night. A lot of people kind of anticipate that the Magic will try and move 35, 41, plus maybe a player to get back into the first round. That seems to make some sense. Um, I'll explain maybe a little bit later on this week why I think that might be a little bit more difficult than we anticipate. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of opportunity. And, and as I've said numerous times, this draft is about building a foundation. This draft is about setting the tone for the franchise that Jeff Weltman wants to build, the team that he wants, the team that he and Steve Clifford both want. And every player you bring in now is a Jeff Weltman player. And so the question becomes, who is a Jeff Weltman player? Both John Hammond and Jeff Weltman do have a little bit of draft history that we can go by. And I thought uh, on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, we'll share the link on Lockdown Magic as well, um, or on, on the Lockdown Magic Twitter feed as well, as well as the Facebook page. Um, Zach Palmer did a really good job going, you know, kind of line by line through the draft history of John Hammond specifically, as well as Jeff Weltman with the Toronto Raptors. One thing does seem abundantly clear, that they have, that John Hammond at least, has a tendency to search for long players, guys that have length to them. And it's not just about, you know, it's about skill, it's about taking a good player, but length and versatility rules the world. And John Hammond's draft history, 2008 to 2017, here are the players that he's picked. Joe Alexander, six foot eight with a six foot eleven and a half inch wingspan. Larry Sanders, six foot ten and a half inches with a seven and a half foot wingspan. Tobias Harris, six foot seven with a six foot eleven inch wingspan. John Henson, six foot ten and a half inches, seven foot five wingspan. Giannis Antetokounmpo, I don't think I need to say his stats, but six nine seven three wingspan. Rashad Vaughn, six foot five inches with a six foot seven inch wingspan. Thon Maker, seven, seven feet tall, seven foot three inch wingspan. Jeff Weltman follows much the same pattern. 
Here are Jeff Weltman's draft picks after leaving Milwaukee. Bruno Caboclo, two years away from being two years away with a six foot nine, six foot nine height, seven foot seven inch wingspan. Jakob Pertl, seven foot one, seven foot two wingspan. Pascal Siakam, six foot nine and a half inches, seven foot three wingspan. And then of course Jonathan Isaac, six eleven with a seven foot one wingspan. The numbers are the numbers. You know, I don't know how much you can really put into wingspan, but those players that I named, I mean, I'm accepting Brandon Jennings and Dellen Wright. All those players had a similar trait about them. They were long and rangy. They were versatile. They could play multiple positions, uh, and or or they were rim protectors. They could use that length to protect the rim. They all, all used their length defensively. Some flop for sure. Joe Alexander was a huge flop. Um, uh, you know, uh, Rashad Vaughn didn't quite make it either. But all those players, and Bruno Caboclo, uh, Toronto gave up on him. He ended up being more than two years away. But all those players do fit a type of type of player. Now, John Hammond and I think Jeff Weltman have, have shown that they're not afraid to take the best player available. They took Brandon Jennings, but even Brandon Jennings is kind of a biggish point guard. This is a group that that values length, that historically has valued length as a building block, as 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 a place where they could take risks, or they could they could take a risk that maybe a guy isn't skilled enough, but he can grow into the kind of player that they need. Giannis Antetokounmpo being a perfect example of that. You might notice also that none of these players, with the exception of Jabari Parker, was a top pick in the draft. And so there's that little bit of element that, you know, at the top, top, top of the draft where Milwaukee was rarely picking, except for, again, that year they drafted Jabari Parker, you still take the best player available regardless of those physical attributes, perhaps. Jabari Parker's not especially long or big. But the draft history seems to suggest that the team will go after length. That if they were left with the choice of Mo Bamba and Trey Young... They will take Mo Bamba. If Jaron Jackson's on the board, they want him. If Wendell Carter, I mean, Wendell Carter Jr. is not no spring chicken after Jaron Jackson and Muhammad Bamba, it's Wendell Carter Jr. That seems to be a player that would fit their bill. Colin Sexton has got some good length for a point guard. Shy Gilgis Alexander would be interesting. Even later in the draft, you could get into maybe the Magic trying to trade up to draft a Josh Akogi or Kyrie Thomas. Guards who have a lot of length to them. You could see them chasing after a guy like Kevin Knox, who they had in for a workout last week. It's not to say that this is who Jeff Weltman and John Hammond will pick. If Trey Young is number one on their board or number one left on their board when the Magic are up at six, they will and they should take Trey Young. Now, there's been some uh, some comments from Steve Clifford that, that would suggest that if, if you can't defend in the NBA, you better be able to drop 25 or 26. And... That seemed like a not-so-subtle jab at Trey Young, but Steve Clifford also watched him work out, so who knows what he's really trying to say there. It's... The the, the team is still definitely a ways away. I mean, they, they got to collect talent, and they got to find the best talent available. But if you're trying to read the tea leaves a little bit, this does seem to be the type of player that Weltman and Hammond target. This does seem like the type of player that they chase after. And 
this is a draft that has those kinds of players. Now, whether the Magic will make that decision or not is another question, but it certainly seems like that is a good bet for what the Magic might do with their second-round picks, or if they move into late first again with, with their future, with their other picks in this draft. And it does seem to make sense with the direction the Magic went last year. The Magic took Jonathan Isaac over Dennis Smith Jr., who many people thought should have been the pick. And so, I present this information more something to watch for. Again, it's, it's not a guarantee that this is the direction the Magic go. But it does suggest something, and it does suggest the kind of thing, the kind of player, the kind of the kind of faith that they have that they can develop raw, athletic, long players into talented players, even if they don't have all the technical skill immediately. And of course, how that translates over into the second round will be another one of the big questions entering this draft. Again, a little more than a week away from the draft. It's next Thursday. But the Magic do hold two other picks in this draft at 35 and 41. Now, no matter what the Magic end up doing with those picks, whether they trade them up, trade them to get into the first round or not, I think it is imperative that the Magic get these picks right just like they get number six right. Now, number six is obviously a little bit more important. They need to get that pick 100% absolutely correct. That I agree with completely. Um, that is a foundational piece. That is a guy that's going to be a big part of the team moving forward. But at 35 and 41, Orlando has the opportunity to add their to their depth on cheap contracts at that. When you look at the Philadelphia 76ers, and, and I hate using continually using them as an example, but they did a lot of things right. If you ignore the way that they kind of held second round their second round picks hostage in a lot of ways, that roster was built with a lot of second-round picks. Robert Covington was taken in the second round. T.J. McConnell was taken in the second round. You can go through the list of second-round contributors. And even Rob Hennigan got some good second-round picks. Kyle O'Quinn was a fantastic pick. But what's important here is to get a player that can contribute. Why waste this opportunity? If there was a complaint about what the Magic did in last year's draft, it was not valuing these other picks that they had. Even if it cost them a little bit more money, even if it hampered them a little bit, even if it meant going a little bit younger. Wasting away draft assets on the co contracts that they have is killer for a rebuild. When you're rebuilding, you need talent wherever you can get it. And if you miss on second round picks, you're hurting yourself. Not in a fatal way, but you are hurting yourself. And that's something that this Magic team can no longer do. They've, if they want to speed up the rebuild, the best way to do it is to find those picks in the second round that can help your team continue to grow. Find your Draymond Green, although it took Draymond a few years to, to get his footing. Find your Kylo Quinn, just an energy guy that knows his role and is going to play that role to stay in the NBA, to fight for, for his NBA life. Those guys exist. And there are good players in the second round. Obviously, it's harder to find them. But I think this Magic team needs to value their second round picks just as much as their first. We've talked a lot about the first round prospects, the guys at number six, and that, that is the sexy pick to talk about. But I've talked about some point guards that they could get in the second round, like a, Jav like a Javon Carter, or Jalen Brunson, or Josh Okogie, or Anthony Simons. Potentially in the second round. Those guys could also climb up into the first. 
There's some interesting international guys that you could take here. I'm still a big fan of Rodion's Kuroks. Uh, I profiled him in last year's draft. I was really intrigued with him. Um, even if he has to stay in Europe for a few years, I think that would be a quality addition to the team moving forward when he's ready. This year, he did keep his name in the draft, if I'm not mistaken. So, these picks have value that cannot be ignored. Yes, the attention should be on number six. Yes, that is a foundational piece. But the second round picks, too, are, not, are, are pretty important. And the Magic scouting has to be deep enough, has to be confident enough to find a player there. Now, you're probably asking, like, well, what about Wessawundu? What do you think of him? Wessawundu, I think the jury's still out. I think that he proved himself that, that he is a good slasher and at least a decent defender, but we really didn't get to see enough of him, and his offensive game still has a long way to go. That's not to say he's a bad pick. That's not to say that, that the Magic should give up on him. But, you know, at this point, after a year, I'd probably grade that pick a B- minus or a C plus. Magic need B+, A-minus guys. They need guys that can contribute off their bench pretty immediately. Not immediate, if not immediately, then pretty soon with those second-round picks. They don't need to take big cuts. They don't need to take home runs. They need to get guys that can play, whoever they may be. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Like us on Facebook at Locked on, Ma- on, Ma- Locked on Magic. Excuse me. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Don't forget to check out the Locked on NBA mock draft. It is now on the Locked on NBA podcast. Subscribe to that podcast on iTunes as well as Spotify, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and you can find that on the Panoply Network as well. You can, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Our draft profile series will continue. Um, with summer league schedule is out, so I'll have something on that tomorrow on on Tuesday on Wednesday, um, and also our latest draft previews will be up as well. So be sure to check those out. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Rosenreich. I will see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.